Welcome to episode 353 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Over the last five or six years, I have led dozens of master classes and trainings on a wide variety of topics. Now, what I choose to teach is inspired by a combination of what I'm passionate about and also what questions I get asked most frequently. Now, rather than these being one-time virtual sessions, I often share the recordings long after the program ends, and I've gathered my most often requested masterclasses and shared them on Podia, an online course platform. The following four masterclass replays are available for free. Should I host a podcast? Discovering your ideal client? Making the most of your next conference experience? And should I write a book? These additional resources are available for a fee. My book launch strategies masterclass, which is all the steps I took to get over 200 reviews three times with my independently published books. My idea to offer workshop, an entire day of content shared with you. Low tech solutions for highly engaging Zoom. That's my most popular training at the moment. Uh, Also getting set up for success on Zoom, which covers the basics that most of us don't actually know and over 70 Zoom tutorial videos. All nine of these resources are included with your membership in the Content and Connection Club. Plus, for just $25 a month, you're going to get invited to a weekly mastermind every single Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern, and there's an online discussion board. Plus, half of the money you give each month will be donated to Feeding America. They're helping fight food insecurity among our neighbors. You'll find all of these resources free and paid and an invitation to join the Content and Connection Club at www.contentandconnectionclub.com. You can look for the free masterclasses link at the top of that page. And don't take my word for it. Today's guest is a founding and active member of the Content and Connection Club. Join and you'll get to spend time with both of us each week. Go to contentandconnectionclub.com. Next, a word from our sponsors, and then we'll dive into this week's interview. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. Today's guest is on a mission to guide mission-driven entrepreneurs toward their audience, fostering genuine engagement that spreads their message far and wide. After a 25-year corporate career, she found her true calling as an entrepreneur. Her LinkedIn activities over the last two decades have led her to speaking engagements, podcast features, client acquisitions, and even a Forbes interview. Her brainchild, The Magnet Model, helps entrepreneurs build the authentic relationships that fuel their mission. Through personalized coaching, courses, group programs, and workshops, she empowers others to create a thriving online community where your ideal prospects actively seek you out. Please join me in welcoming Sophie Lechner. Welcome, Sophie. Hello, Robbie. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. And in the, in the global scheme of things, you are a neighbor of mine. You're over mm-hmm. there in New Jersey. I'm over here outside of Philadelphia. Thrilled that we can get together on this. Uh, so as you know, it's a, a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah. So to me, leadership is 
sort of about initiative, right? So you see, you, you look around you, 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 you see something that could be better, that could be done better, that could be run better, um, a situation where there's a gap. And rather than say, oh, well, that's a shame or that's a bummer or that's annoying or eh, you think, well, what could I do about it, right? So that's the sort of the seed of leadership, I think, is having this first instinct of actually doing something about it. And then the second, obviously, super important component is rallying people around you. So whether it's other people who see the same issue, who um, are also sort of, you know, feeling the pain of the issue, or, and actually, people who could address the issue, who could help with it, and then kind of rallying all these people together and saying, okay, how, how do we do this? You know, we brainstorm and then actually taking action, you know, and that, that could be something that is given to you. Obviously, you know, you have a title, you're put in charge of a team, but I think it's something that is really innate in people. It could be developed, but it doesn't have to be within a, a an, an official title, right? It's, it's just something that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's that's what I think is leadership. I really appreciate that. Initiative, rally, and action are the three concepts I got from you. You know, it made me think of a really small thing that I took notice of years ago. I have volunteered at tons of events and I've led tons of events. And I remember seeing that people couldn't find the bathroom. This is like 25 years ago. Like, People couldn't find the bathroom. People couldn't find the bathroom. So I went and got a sign made and we put it up and then everyone knew where to find the bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, I had to find <laughs> the right people to give me the supplies. I had to get buy-in that this was needed. <laughs> it's small, right? It's a small thing. Or if you see, like I've, I've been places where like signage falls over and everyone ignores it. And then someone has to remember to like pick it up and put it back, right? Small initiatives, little things, exactly. rallying the people to see the problem or to help solve the problem, and then actually the action piece. I really love this. I'm thinking like, is this a new a kind of IRA? I feel like you have a whole new theme <laughs> you could be teaching. Uh, you're really good at coming up with these things. So, uh, when did you first realize you had some of these these skills? When did this this uh, innate sense of leadership start to be developed in you? Yeah. So I don't know that I actually had those words, you know, to put to it. But I, I the, the earliest instance that I can remember actually doing something pretty significant, you know, in terms of leadership is I was in this um, student program. So we're going back, you know, like over 30 years now. <laughs> I was in a, in a, 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 a law program that was with King's College and Sorbonne. So it was like two um, colleges, but it was a very small cohort in each. And back in those days, there was no alumni organization. There was no nothing like that. And because we had this very specific program, we didn't really fit into any sort of, you know, job application type of things. We had to explain all the time, like, what is this thing, English and French law, blah, blah, blah. And so we all had trouble finding our internships and we were all struggling individually. So... I got everybody to, not everybody, but like a whole bunch of us together. And we sat down and said, what can we do? And we started our own uh, alumni organization. And we said, okay, we need to have, you know, a brochure that explains what this program is and what we do. So we went and, you know, 19, 19, 20-year-olds, absolutely zero budget. You know, we were like asking for a grant for like maybe, you know, $50 or whatever and drawing this thing by ourselves. And I'm thinking back, we didn't have Canva. We didn't even have computers for crying out loud. So anyway, went to the printer, printed this thing and, and sent it to all the big law firms everywhere. And, you know, I feel like then we had big celebration, all kinds of things that alumni groups do. But I think that's the first, you know, concrete thing that I feel I really had leadership, you know, exercise my leadership. And it's a very fond memory for me. Man, I, um, I was in college right when email became a thing, but it mm -hmm. was black screen, green font. And I couldn't, I remember not being able to figure it out. Like we go to the computer lab <laughs> and I like would, would spend like 20 minutes writing something. And then I couldn't figure out how to send and then I would call over the like, you know, lab geek <laughs> to be like, and he would bring this like binder of <laughs> oh my information God. and he'd flip through it <laughs> and try to help me figure out what went wrong. And I thought this is never going to take off. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, if it's well. this hard. Um, and that's, I, that, I'm going to date myself. That was 1992 that I was just, maybe 93, that I was just starting to get my hands a little bit into that. So I can't even imagine trying to organize, right, before yeah. having access to things like, you know, my father once told me the best invention ever was the fax machine mm-hmm. because he used to have to overnight FedEx information like drafts of um, designs of programs. Like, uh, I guess he was he was working on things that had like architect things, right? And right. To be able to just write a little note and fax back and forth. Yeah. So imagine yeah, everyone great. take a moment back in yeah. the time machine to like <laughs> organize a new organization in that time frame. So um, I'm like, sticking stamps, you know, licking envelopes. You no, know, my kids will never know the pleasure of stuffing yeah. envelopes and licking That special stamps. taste. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to wind the clock even a little bit further back, dare we do. Um, what were you like on the playground in grade school? Like, were you, were you outgoing back then or were you reserved? Did teachers see potential in you? Did you run for office? Were you active in after school activities and clubs? Like, what kind of kid were you? And where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Paris. And um, I know I was pretty introverted. And actually, I was bullied pretty badly in school. So talk about leadership. There were some older kids who uh, were leading this group of the older girls. And it was a girls' school. And um, some of us were, you know, the slaves. So we had to do these exercises in the court, in the schoolyard and we were supposed to do their bidding and all of this. Yeah, it was pretty bad. They would take us to the bathroom and, you know, slap our bums when we were (laughs) not doing what they wanted. So yeah, that was not good. (laughs) A hard way to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we got over that. Actually, my my mom found a a really great solution. She invited them all over for tea. (laughs) What do you know, right? That worked? It worked. Yeah, she I was invited like, them over for tea, and it was yell at them to cheese. No, no, no. It was Certainly. decades. It was decades later that I realized the absolute genius of yeah. it. I I didn't realize at the time. I was like, "What you're doing? What?" They had she had them all for tea, over for tea, and we just had this really nice little afternoon. Of course, it was really awkward for me, but never any bullying happened again. Wow! Know, right? I'm gonna tuck that one away in my parenting know, cap. Right? Just, <laughs> I have to start having tea so I can have them over for tea. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> that's 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 a rough place to live from. Um, did junior high and high school get better? Did like uh, the so like sixth grade and all this was a little rough because then I went to an, uh, a mixed school, you know, both genders. So then the boys were like sort of, I guess I was attracting bullies for a few years. That, that, that went away, that stopped. But, you know, I was, yeah, so... Um, yeah, and then later on, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but like eighth grade, eighth, ninth grade, things got better. And um, yeah, and then I started having activities. In fact, when I started doing tap dancing, <laughs> I didn't know we were going to get into all this, but when I used to do tap dancing, we, we'd start organizing shows and then I would start doing, you know, fundraising, inviting parents to it. And that's, I started to kind of come into my own, you know, from... And being on stage was fun. That's a really different way of showing up compared to yeah. like hiding because, you know, if people are bullying you, you're going to make yourself small. But if you're, if you're starting to create shows and fundraising, inviting parents, like yeah. you're, you're showing up in a bit, you're more visible. What was that yeah. like to start being more visible? Yeah. I, I started to, um, you know, come into my own. Again, my mom had a huge role because she was always really encouraging me and telling me what she saw for me in the future. And I really mm. believed that, you know, I believed her. And so it gave me um, strength and confidence. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of discover all these new ways of, of showing up and, and all these shows. And, and then I went to college and organized a, a show with some tap dancing. <laughs> I'm saved by the fact that there were no, you know, videos back then or anything. So there's no embarrassing moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 12, 13, 14 years old, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Was there like a career path laid out in front of you? When I was very little, I wanted to be a surgeon, interestingly. And then I realized that 
blood kind of made me queasy. So I was going, mm, I guess that's not going to work. <laughs> but I, I used to always, you know, I was fascinated with little notebooks and I would recreate, I was probably cliche, but I would teach my dolls, you know, and I would, I would do the exercises in their notebooks and then I would take a red pen and then I would correct it and tell them how, you know, they were doing badly and all this. <laughs> and so um, I think the whole thing about teach, and my mom was a teacher. So, you know, there was that too. Um, I think the whole teaching thing, I didn't see it as a profession, even though my mom was one, I didn't see it as a profession for me, but that is a theme that continued throughout my life. Like everywhere I went, I was always organizing ways for people to learn better. Mm -hmm. So when I started at Pfizer, for example, um, I was in the um, finance department and all of us were just thrown in. And there was a new batch of four or five of us every year in the finance department. And we were all thrown in like, oh, okay, you got to learn, you know, like uh, sink, sink or swim. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I, I got the, the other people of my year together and we thought, okay, what are the things that you struggled with, right? And we wrote it all down and then we created this manual um, that all the new people could come and, you know, learn and just be more efficient. Like, why didn't that exist already before yeah. us? You know? why it's the onboarding yeah. document. All right, right, you jumped ahead now to Pfizer, and I want to know how you ended up working <laughs> in a, a brand name like that. Um, when you went off to college, I'm assuming mm -hmm. you went to university, did, what, what was the uh, goal when you were attending? What was the degree you're aiming for? Where, where do you think it was taking you? Yeah. Okay, this is going to be a very, it's a very meandering path. So I hope you're ready for it. So when I was in my teens, I just, I really was fascinated by all these courtroom dramas and I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So I studied law in London and in Paris, this English and French law degree I mentioned. And so I wanted to be a lawyer and I was a lawyer for a few years. And then I thought, hmm. It's a little bit too sidelines, you know, like talk about leadership. I decided when I was a lawyer up there, we were on the fifth floor and everybody was like, oh, she's going to the fifth floor, top floor of the building. Um, and I was like, no, that's not the way to help the clients, right? I got to go and meet them in their office. But we normally this was the Ivy Tower, right? The legal department, you know. You don't go down to the masses. This is also France. We're talking about very socially layered, right? And I started going down to the departments and getting to know the the different, um, you know, marketing and finance, all those people to help them with their legal problems. So we doubled or tripled the volume of work we had in the legal department, which was a good thing because we were doing prevention as opposed to fixing. But my boss didn't see it that way. So he put an end to all of that. So anyway, I got annoyed with that and, and frustrated. And I said, no, I want to be in the heart of business. So I'm going to do an MBA. That's how I landed in this country. I was in France before. So came here and um, I thought I would have two years of doing my MBA. I thought I had two years to decide what I was going to do with my life. Little did I know, you know, week two, you got to do your resume and start applying for internships. So I was like, oh, Okay, I guess I don't have a lot of time to decide. And um, I decided I wanted to be in finance. It feels like such a weird decision looking back now. But at the time, there was a logic to it. So I thought that was the skill that was missing the most from my um, toolkit, I guess. So anyway, so I applied and um, I got an internship with uh, Sharing Plow at the time. Again, dating myself doesn't exist anymore, really. Um, I guess it's part of Merck now. Um, anyhow, and I loved the um, pharmaceutical industry. I really thought, you know, this is something I want to be a part of. So long story short, I, you know, interviewed, applied, and then landed at uh, Pfizer at the end of the MBA. Wow. And were you happy with that new role that you had sort of carved out for yourself? So I was happy for about three months. <laughs> and then I got frustrated. I got frustrated with all the illogical things that were being done. And uh, hmm, I'm going to go publicly on record here saying some of the things that I, that yeah, was a bit shady, or at least it wasn't legally shady, but by my ethical standards, it was just not. So 
I thought, and I was again more, you know, finance was still again, not in the heart of things, the decisions, right? We're still advisors. So I said, no, I want to be in marketing. <laughs> so it took me, you know, three years, but I finally, I, I, I got into marketing, um, had to take some lateral moves, you know? Yeah. It sounds like you, you have like incredible amounts of education and, and degrees, but mm. you were having a hard time finding a match for the passion you have on how you want to show up in the world and the way you can offer value and have a be have a huge impact. Like there's a lot of skill, but if the skill doesn't match the passion, that's could lead to burnout. Even though it's a skill people need, it's just not the skill you want to be known for. Yeah, that's very good analysis. And I wish I'd had some entrepreneur role models around me because I would have jumped over to entrepreneurship much sooner because obviously this was <laughs> the the thing that was matched for me. But it took another, you know, 15 years before I did that. And what did lead to that? I mean, it sounds like you went through, you got into marketing, you, you mm -hmm. worked in that field for a while. That's ended up being a place you were happy. Yeah. But, you know, it is a big leap to go from a paycheck with the relative security or at least the uh, what we think of as the security of the paycheck mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and the city job. So did you start meeting people who were in the entrepreneurial world? Like how'd you build up that knowledge base that that was even yeah. a possibility? No, it was totally by default because uh, I'm now very grateful, but I was laid off. <laughs> so, you know, I left Pfizer, did other things. It's too long to, to explain, but I ended up at Bayer and then there were, it was 2009, you remember like 08, 09, plus there were other factors with the product I was working on that was dropped. Anywho, um, yeah, I was laid off, which of course at that point was a huge hit to my identity because being in these big Fortune 50 companies and having this role was, you know, really who I was. So it took a while, but finally um, I realized, you know, later that that was actually a huge blessing because I was finally out. And, um, and the entrepreneurship thing was a um, complete accident. I, I, I was doing a lot of networking. I know we're going to talk about networking because it's a big topic that we both love. Um, so I was doing a lot of networking to find a job or to find, you know, whatever was going to be next for me. And I met this gentleman and long story short, he tells me about a client of his who wants something just done and he was totally not interested in it. And I thought it was fascinating. So I said, hey, I'll take it and I'll do it. And um, created a, you know, a proposal, whatever, whatever. And then the client didn't, didn't take it on, but I was so in love with it. He and I got together and we started a business out of it. That's amazing. So even when that first foray into entrepreneurship didn't work as planned, mm -hmm. it still led to a positive outcome. Yes. Yes. Because I saw the potential for this idea. And again, it was this drive. Like I found this niche in the market, this gap in the market. And I said, no, we have to fill it. It was just this. What was it that urge. you were initially selling? It was helping companies to do business globally. There's a lot of uh, um, misconceptions about how to do, how to, you know, expand your business outside your borders. It's a very complicated thing to do. And um, there's just a huge gap of knowledge. And so I wanted to fill that. You are yeah. uniquely situated to talk about that. <laughs> well, that's what I thought, you know, f legal, finance, marketing, French, American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you bring a lot to that. And so in some ways, everything you did that didn't really land you where you wanted to be built up all this strength within you, mm -hmm. all these skill sets, your toolbox yeah. is overflowing with tools. Mm -hmm. And you were like, why do I even need this tool anymore? And then suddenly there's an opportunity and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. um, and you were in business with someone else. So some of the early parts of having to start a business, you had someone else with experience to guide you, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. Uh, a gentleman who was much more seasoned, obviously, than I, I was no not seasoned at all as an entrepreneur, but he had already had, you know, a couple of businesses and sold them successfully. So we partnered and uh, it was a lot of fun. We created this huge network of um, um, specialists to, to have a big um, 
sort of uh, faculty, we called it, you know, of, of people around the world that could help with all the different topics and in different countries. And, and we built all of that through LinkedIn. And that's one of the things that, you know, I, uh, I had started using LinkedIn when I was um, in my corporate role. And then uh, when it, when, when we decided to do this company, it was like, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? And gradually by connecting people who connected us, who connected us to others, we, uh, we built this huge faculty of 150 people around the world. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, one, I wanted to say that LinkedIn back then doesn't even look like (laughs) what we do today with LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So the way you're using it back then sounds more like what people can do today, but back then it was, it was, I'm going to call it static. It was very static. Yeah. Like it was very like upload your resume or your CV, and uh, and that was sort of it. And like people weren't really actively, mm. you know, in, that I, in my circles using it for anything until maybe they were desperate. <laughs> <laughs> maybe when they were desperate, they would then suddenly mass email, you know, message yeah. everybody that they could find, like help right. me out. Um, like who are you? So that that's one thing I just want to note. It's very interesting that you thought to use it that way. The second, I'm curious how long you had that business together. Like, how long did that run? So I started it in 2012, and I pivoted in 2021. So oh, nine years. Long time. Yes. Um, it was very, very, very difficult. <laughs> it was a huge, I mean, it, you know, looking back, it's like, completely crazy to start from like having zero experience doing this very complicated global business yeah. <laughs> with partners and you know b2b but so yeah it was very difficult and i went about it you know really really backwards way because here i was thinking i was a marketing expert because i had done marketing at pfizer so hey you know who's to teach me marketing, but I actually had zero (laughs) understanding of what marketing is, you know, the daily, like as an entrepreneur, it's a completely different discipline. So I didn't do market research. I did all the things wrong. I spent two years creating the program. I had detailed cure. It's funny now, you know, I had detailed curriculum for, you know, a whole program, weeks and weeks of program, but, you know, no client, no knowledge, what people wanted. Yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing now to talk about it, but yeah, I did it. That we way. all go through that. It's, I, it's expert syndrome. We are so clearly yeah. able to see the problem. Yeah. We can't believe that others can't. We just, we think people just need a solution. Like that's, that's the thing that's missing. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Yeah. Then I put it out into the world and, you know, that was my marketing, which was not marketing and would forget about sales. So when I first uh, encountered uh, Danny Eaney in 27, 2018, um, I, I went, you know, for the ACES program and all this. And he asked me, so what do people say when you, um, when you make the offer? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you saying? <laughs> I wasn't selling. I wasn't selling. I was, I was just like, here's my thing, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, it didn't really work out as it worked. I mean, we had clients, but it wasn't, it didn't take off the way that I really yeah. envisioned at all. And I got so burned, so burned, so burned out. I was yeah. working 15 hours a day with zero results, you know. <sighs> I was wondering what brought you to Danny Any, because that's how mm-hmm. you and I met was through um, Miracy's ACES program. And we actually met in person, uh, not knowing that this would be a relationship we'd have this long. Uh, in December of 2019, which was one of my last in-person escapades before the <laughs> pandemic. And it was yes. a bit of an escapade because it was in Montreal. So I had to travel. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, December. we were there for several days. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, first, how did you come across Danny Innie? And it sounds like you knew you had something missing in your business model at that point. And like, what were you seeking? And how did you sort of connect in the world? I think I was just so burnt out. I was really depressed at that point. And I was, I I was just looking for something else to do that would bring me, that would help me to find myself and, and bring me, bring me something positive, something that I could sink my teeth into that was smaller, easier that I could do and prove to myself that I was capable of doing. And so I thought, oh, an online course, I was, you know, searching stuff on Facebook and this, Thing came up and I was like, oh, an online course, I could do that. That's easy. 
<laughs> and um, so I took the the course lab um, thingy, and then um, you know how it is like with the funnel. Gradually went to the 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 um, lift in San Diego. I don't know if you were there. And then uh, big conference though, right? It's like a big experience. Right. Yes. With a sales pitch at the end to encourage you to sign up for this year long mastermind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was actually a really big revelation moment because, and I remember I was in tears several times during that conference because it was the first time I was in a room with entrepreneurs. I mean, the only entrepreneur I knew was my partner. And I was very, very lonely during those eight years. I was with him, but we were coming from a different place, you know, and all of a sudden I'm sitting here with all these people and they had the same problems and they're lonely and it's things are working, not working, you know, like it was such a life-changing experience. I had never had community before. And all of a sudden I had this community around me. So I wanted to be part of it and um, it took a while before I could, you know, muster up the funds, but I, I signed up and, uh, and, uh, tried and I had almost given up on the business, but I said, I'll, I'll, if I, if I can't do it with a, the ACES program, then it's just not, it can't be done. <laughs> right. So I'll give it my all for another year and, um, and then we'll see. And, 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 and then the pandemic hit and it was like the nail in the coffin, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. So there's a couple yeah. of things I want to kind of pull from that. And I think the biggest one is just that revelation that there's a community out there. You know, I had a similar experience. I went to a conference last week for the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And while I, you know, have community of entrepreneurs around me in lots of ways, and I have gone for 20 years, I went to an LGBT conference that I think the last time I went was in 2018. I went from like 95 to 2018, 20 times. Um, so, you know, that was an LGBT advocacy organization conference. Mm -hmm. But to meet people who identified like I did, who were also in the same kind of business I was in, who had the same struggles and successes, it was a feeling of coming home, like a really specific, wow, like that's a unique like confluence of, you know, identity and values and experience. And I could see how like for someone who never had any of that and you're feeling particularly lonely, that was very robust and, and um then that's the attraction into being part of something like Mary By the way, I interviewed Danny for this show and I will put a link to the interview in the show notes. It was very interesting how he came to be who he is and how yeah. much he's had an impact on the rest of us. Um, now, the pandemic obviously shook up this international business. Um, you had some new skills. Um, you went on to work for Mary for a, a bit, right? And you were doing some yeah, I actually learned because I had never had a sales call in my life before. We, as I discovered, uh, I, I, that was the biggest skill I was missing, probably. And so I took some sales training with, uh, with uh, you know, inside of, of Aces, and uh, lo and behold, I was good at it, <laughs> as it turns out. So Danny was like, wow, that's quite the transformation. And uh, so they actually hired me to do sales of the Aces program. So I did that for about a year, not, you know, part-time while I was Yeah, doing. but it's a great way, I mean, to, to sort of build that skill. I ended up working for them. I, I didn't know a ton about Miracy or the ACES program. And I have to give a shout out to Dory Clark uh, for suggesting this role for me. It was a part-time coach role. And um, I got to start there in 2019. <clears throat> and I stuck with it uh, through 2020 until my business really took off and I needed to step mm -hmm. back um, at the end of the year. Yeah, but it was um, it was a it was a great opportunity for me to learn from people while doing, and I think that's kind of what you got the experience too, of learning and then getting a chance to try it out yourself. So your business model today, I mean, I didn't know anything. I mean, first of all, I had no idea you worked in finance, that you had a law degree. I didn't know that you know you worked at Pfizer and all this stuff like there's a lot that i'm just learning about you mm -hmm. um but i also really know you as like the person i think of as one of my go-to linkedin experts and um i think you and i really started to connect a little bit in 2020 but about 2022 i guess i started the content and connection club which is a 25 dollar a month 
come every Friday. We yeah. hang out and have a mastermind. We have an online you know, community and we have access to all kinds of content I've created. And half that money goes to charity, which I'm really proud of. Um, yes. And you were like, oh yeah, right. I should, you know, I haven't really been going to his free things. Let me, let me rejoin. And that's where you and I really connected and you've been regular ever since. And I've seen your business really booming around how you define the work you do. So just give mm-hmm. us a little snapshot. You know, I said in your intro, LinkedIn has led to a lot of opportunities for you. When did you realize that that was a skill that you could sell? Like, I think, you know, like for me, networking was something I was good at, but I, it took me a while to figure out how to package it to help yeah. other people. Like, when did you have the aha, wait, people need help with LinkedIn and I can help them? Yeah, that was a direct uh, gift from the pandemic um, because, you know, March 2020, we all know I had I had actually a, a tour of conferences organized for Europe that in March 2020. Yeah, I was going to tour four or five countries and give, you know, talks and now sell after, at the end of it. Because I had done that in the past and it had worked great, but I hadn't followed up and I hadn't sold. So I was going to do that. And with the help of Mercy and now my selling skills, I was going to sell. So that didn't pan out. So I turned it into webinars, but, you know, it was nobody. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we're all a bit at a, at a standstill in March 2020. And um, I was hearing a lot of my colleague, um, uh, you know, my, my fellow entrepreneurs panic about their business development. They couldn't go to networking events. They couldn't go to conferences. Their ways of finding clients were drying up. And I was totally not seeing that because, yeah. So I was like, but, but there's LinkedIn. Like, so what's the problem? <laughs> They're like, what do you mean, LinkedIn? What, what, what? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, let's get on a call. I'll show you a few things. And they're like, oh, you can do that. Oh, you can do that. Oh, I didn't. And I was as flabbergasted as they were, you know? And so I did, in the course of a year, I probably did 50, 60, something like that, you know, free coaching calls. And my friends were telling me, well, you're really good at this. You should, you know, package it. You could sell it. And I was like, it's a hobby, you know, <laughs> that's the typical thing, right? With entrepreneurs. Um, but finally I said, you know, yeah, let me try. So I just took a one sheet and that's, it's funny because it was at the end of the ACES program and I took everything that I had learned and just now focused it all on this one endeavor and pew, it took off, you know, it, 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 right away. Like I, I, I put an offer on one page. I, sent an email to people, all the things that we had learned, right? Um, and somebody said, yes, I'm in. And another person said, yes, I'm in. And I was like, oh, I got a program. Oh, I got a business. It's <laughs> amazing. I mean, uh, you know, just to say something from what you said earlier about having a business and now having this new one, you know, I always say to people, a, a business is when someone's willing to pay you. A successful business is when you can anticipate the next person wanting to pay you. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so, true. Um, it, it feels like in this case, you those 50, 60 calls were all research calls, even though you were helping, where you're giving away free advice, but you were also learning like what the problems were, the language they were using, and you maybe weren't doing it in the, let me track every minute of this, but you were applying these skills. And then you were able to take a step back and be like, oh, I know a lot about what they need and I can write this one you know, page, mm-hmm. sign up document in their language, like what's their pain points and all that, the things that maybe were elusive to you before. And now you're now it was about creating a program based on all that input where earlier in your your earlier business, you developed something for two years without any other way. Yeah. 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 And I, I um when I work with coaching clients one on one, a lot of times, like the work of having those, you know, I don't know, somewhere around 25 or more calls, depending on like their level of a their familiarity with the with clients is it's a slog it's not it takes time and i'm like it's gonna save you so oh much yeah time. plus it's fun i think a lot of people who when they once they really 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 don't want to do it but then once they start most people i find i don't know about what you think most people end up having fun with it because yeah, yeah. It, it, they're fun calls, but yeah, sometimes people don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they kind of can't see. They're like, no, no, I want to rush ahead and just make this program. I want to rush ahead and make this course. Like I know exactly what my people need. I'm like, or you could 
you know, vet that idea a little bit more and get a confirmation. And sometimes you do know what they need, but they don't know what they need. Exactly. So you have to find the marketing language to track them in and figure out like, what is in my words, small P problem um, that they have. And so, yeah, I think everything that Miracy was teaching you ended up being very applicable to this new role. And then you, mo you just iterated again, you have now the magnet model. Um, say, uh, what is the magnet method about? Yeah, so when I first started, I was really focused on, okay, let me show you how to use LinkedIn, right? So all the technical things, where to click and all of that. And as I was, as I, through the, the, all the coaching I had done before, and when I started having clients, I really noticed that I was attracting, um, and there were a lot of people who, entrepreneurs who have a problem with visibil visibility, really, so it's, beyond whether you're on Facebook or LinkedIn or anywhere else, it's how to be visible in the world, what to say to not sound like you're bragging and you're one of those bro marketers, right? Like, oh, and look at me with my Ferrari, like the cliche, right? But um, how do you talk about what you do in a way that's not braggy? Um, so people are having really difficulty with that. And so and the other thing that I noticed is that a lot of the people that I ended up working with and the ones who I enjoyed working with the most were those who were really um, passionate, passionate about what they do. And they have this um, solution that can help individual people. And so they want to sell their program to individual people's people, but they also have a bigger message that is important for more people to hear, whether it's so they become aware of their problem to become clients or just, you know, important to know about, to know more about. And so the match between this set of people and their problems and what LinkedIn offers is so made in heaven because LinkedIn is just perfect for sharing on a daily basis how you help people and opening up bigger conversations. So it's the ideal place. And I really wanted to make that clear. And it took me, you know, a good two years to finally put words into all this and a, and a graphic. Thank you. Thanks to Simon Bowen. I think we should put that in the show notes as well, because Simon Bowen played a huge part for me to, to be able to really extract the gold of what it is that I do with clients um, beyond, you know, just what you could, I guess, learn, you know, through YouTube videos, like where to click and what to do. I don't know if you could actually, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a lot more than just how to use LinkedIn. So that's yeah. what the magnet model is. That's awesome. Um, and it sounds like your ideal clients are entrepreneurs. Is it, uh, is there a gender role in that or is it like age or is it a type of business? Like how, how do you further define yeah. that? So I, I, I say mission-driven entrepreneurs. Um, gender, I probably attract, I think I attract about, like my clients are about two-thirds women, but, you know, third men, sometimes half, it depends on the events. Um, usually older, because it's people who've just gathered enough experience over the years and have gone through all the stages of life that lead them to a place where they have found what they're really passionate about. I find a lot of younger people just don't, I mean, I shouldn't generalize. There's plenty of young people who have passion, but a lot of times they went through a life like mine and yours and whoever else, right? Is, eh, we do this and this and that and gradually kind of narrow into this one thing. Um, so that's usually who they, who they are. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Uh, for my coaching, I say I, I tend to work with entrepreneurial women in their 50s and beyond and a few good men yeah, I <laughs> who love are that. looking to, to grow their impact and income through a new revenue stream. Um, yeah, but there's a, there's a way in which these folks, like like you said, they have a body of knowledge. They've got you know, 20, 30 plus years of experience and they have passion and they just they're just a little like there's a lot of stuff that you're talking about that are a little new to them. And you can guide them forward on how to take their gift into the world in a way that's more visible, attracts the right people. I love this. And, you know, we were just talking about networking. So I want to just specifically say, like, you know, you have your inner circle of people, but then you have, 
and you know you'll stay in touch with those folks. But you have your second and third sort of layers or tiers out that people you might see once a year at a conference. Uh, you maybe work with them five years ago. Oh, you enjoy each other's company. That's like par- part of this, right? It's a given. Yeah. How yeah. do you think about nurturing and sustaining those kinds of you know, weaker connections, any habits, philosophies, practices? Yeah, um, I don't have good habits around that. And I, I, I do have on my, you know, short-term goals to, to make this a little more systematic because the network is growing and I can't hold it all in my head. Um, but what I do is is um, connect people. I connect people all the time. Four or five times a day, I'm connecting people. Um, sometimes it's a very clear thing, you know, you're both working on this or you know this that you don't know that, you know, and we. it makes sense to connect them. And sometimes it's just more of a, a gut feel, like, hmm, you two will get along great, right? So mm-hmm. let me introduce you and just trust me on this. <laughs> um, and... I also, because I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, I come across a lot of interesting information. And so I, I and I love this, this whole connecting the dots um, activity. And so I see something that I think could be relevant to someone and I send it to them. So in a way, that's my way of, of staying in touch with people. But again, it's not systematic. If nothing shows up, you know, that could interest this particular person who's in my network who I haven't talked to in three years. If nothing just triggers that thought, then it doesn't happen. And that's what I want to fix. Mm-hmm. But it is, does sound like you're really good at the matchmaking and connecting of people and, and knowing like what would be of greatest interest to both parties. Um, and I know you just forwarded another uh, opportunity to me, you know, just yesterday, like you see something, um, I, I think that one of the things that probably helps you is when the people in your network have a very specific and clear uh, message about what they do and who they're trying to work with. Mm. So, so the clearer someone is, the easier it is for you to like yes. make those matches. So mm-hmm. anyone who's in Sophie's network, like make sure to like reach out and let her know what it is you're up to these days so that she can keep an eye out. You know, as we wrap up and head into our final question, I, I, we're going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. All right. Favorite wrap-up question. I know for 100% sure that you and I are going to not spend a year not talking because (laughs) you're part of the Content and Connection Club, which by the way, folks, contentandconnectionclub.com is where you can go. And um, it's a great space for entrepreneurs. We can talk more about that later if you'd like. Uh, but I, sh- I share that link with people a couple oh, times a week. Yes, Yay. I do. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's just been really life-giving yeah, to me to have exactly. that space. Mm-hmm. So a year from now, though, I remember, hey, we had this interview last year. Um, I'm going to want you to reflect on your successes in that year. I want to know what and am I going to be celebrating for you a year from now? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? In a year from now, I would hope that my book is finally written. Um, now that I've finally revealed the magnet model, I can I can fill in the, the blanks and write this book. So the book is out, is being read by, you know, as many entrepreneurs as possible so they can get out of their own way and focus on their mission and get out there. Um, I am launching a new group coaching program as a, as a pilot. It's everything that I've done with my one-on-one clients in a group format. So I'm piloting that next month in a few weeks. So hopefully that has gone well and I'm able to have a, a bigger scale impact, right? So have more entrepreneurs go through my program. Um, 
just more people to help and more fun to be had. <laughs> Those are some big projects right there. I don't know. You need a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited to support you and celebrate you in doing that. And, um, and you know, book launches are kind of my thing. So oh, yes. I'll be here I, to help yes. you with that. I'm so excited yeah. for you and for all the people who will then have access to your knowledge. How can people find you and follow your work? Yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Sophie Lechner. You have the spelling in the show notes, L-E-C-H-N-E-R. I'm find, easy to find on LinkedIn. My um, uh, new website now is themagnetmodel.com. So it's now easy to remember. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll put all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Thank you for having me. I've had a blast. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sophie. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 353. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who overcame challenges on their way to success. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership and entrepreneurial journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On The Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.